Hi everyone and welcome to Take 10 for Torah number 824. I hope you all are well. Any questions, comments, suggestions, recommendations, or sponsorships, please email me at rabbiismach at take10fortorah.org. So in this week's parsha, we have the finale of the long saga of Mechiras Yosef, the sale of Yosef, and it's gone on for a while already. It's gone on since Parsha's Vayeshev, Miketz, Vayigash, Vayechi, and at least when you read the story, you assume that it ends with everybody going uh, on their way happily ever after. And that arises from Perak Nun, Pasuk Yudalit, and on, where after Yaakov's death, Vayashav Yosef, Mitzrayim, Ahuviachav, everybody returns from the funeral of Yaakov, and then they realize, they see that the father has died, perhaps he's going to exact retribution, perhaps he's going to take vengeance on us, maybe he's going to do to us what we did to him, maybe he was just, you know, biding his time, waiting until Yaakov would die, so that he could exact retribution for having been sold and kidnapped, etc. And so they sent a message to Yosef saying, Our father commanded before he died, saying as follows. Now, this already sounds a little bit fishy, right? Because if Yaakov had a message to deliver to Yosef, who would be best to deliver that to uh, to Yosef, not through the brothers? But here was the message, Go, carry, bear their sin, kira, gemalucha, even though they did bad to you, you should bear the iniquity, you should be mochalim, you should forgive them, and indeed when Yosef hears this, he begins to cry. Narashi jumps in over here and says, This actually never happened. Yaakov never instructed the brothers to go have this conversation with Yosef. They made it up. Why? So Rashi gives an interesting explanation. Rashi says that the reason that he does not instruct them to do so is because he never imagined for a moment that Yosef would not have been mochel them. That's what Rashi says. Others understand that it could, can't be that he did it because uh, he never was told. He never was actually told about what really happened. And we've talked about that in years past in previous tense. But the way the story ends, what happens is, by Yosef, don't be afraid, because what am I, God? You want to do bad, but God manipulated the entire story into good. So that uh, everybody would be able to be sustained, and I could be the viceroy of Egypt, and I would be able to do uh, what I'm doing over here. Do not be afraid. I will take care of you. I will um, I will give you provisions. And he consoled them, he reassured them, and everybody's all good, everybody's walks out, and you think, happily ever after, all the brothers get along, after all of that drama, finally, things have resolved themselves. And in fact, if you look at the Rishonim over here, so the Svarno and the Rashbam, both point out that Yosef is making the point that I don't really need to forgive you because you didn't do anything wrong. Svarno says, everything that you did, Hine pu'ulaschem, it was accidental. You thought I was a rode. If you thought I was coming after pursuing you, it's just an honest mistake. No worries. The Rashbam says, God manipulated all this. It wasn't you. No worries. The Rachaim goes so far as to say, We don't see in the Torah, we don't see anything explicit about, about Yosef being Mochel, his brothers. And seemingly because it was unnecessary, says the Rachaim. So if it's unnecessary and they live happily ever after, so then why do we find the following idea? We find in a Medrash Mishle, that there's an association between this story 
and the Asara Harugim Alchos, the ten martyrs, which we read of on Yom Kippur, and we read of on uh, Tisha B'Av, both times we tell the story, but in a longer version on Yom Kippur, we talk about the background of the story, however the villain was in this story, gathers these uh, martyrs together and has them paskana shaila. They have to decide, based on his reading of Parshas Mishpatim, it says Vagonev Ishum somebody who steals, kidnaps, and sells a person has to die, so this um, this person, whoever it was, this villain, after putting the palace and putting shoes in the palace, says, this is what happened to Yosef, and nobody ever made amends for it. Nobody was ever punished for it. So you ten have to uh, suffer the punishment of the ten brothers who, because Binyamin wasn't involved and Yosef wasn't involved, who sold and kidnapped your brother Yosef. And so there is an association, it seems, a tragic association with these events way beyond in history. So the simple question I want to address is, how could that be? If they live happily ever after, if they ask for mechila, if they ask for forgiveness, and indeed Yosef either does provide it or did not need to, for whatever reason the Rishonim suggests, it was an accident, God manipulated the whole thing, no mechila was necessary, so then why is there this drama that extends? And not only that, but we also find from other sources that Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim, I'm sorry, that Shibud Mitzrayim, the subjugation in Egypt, is tied to these events. And not only that, other Midrashim and Esther point to the fact that they went to eat after they, they put Yosef in the pit, and so too Haman and Achashverosh went to eat after they decreed death on the Jewish people. And so that association is made by the Midrash that that story also, that thread also occurs because of Mechiras Yosef. So I don't get it. I mean, if he was Mochel and everybody resolved and everything is okay, so then why is this continued drama. So Rabbeinu Bachia has a lot of really interesting things to say over here. So Rabbeinu Bachia, for one, he says that as a matter of fact, he was never mochal. Read his words. He says, He never was mochal them. And therefore, because of that, because of that reason, so, He never says that he will indeed bear their iniquity, he will forgive them. They died without actually having ever achieved forgiveness. And the only way to atone is through his mechila. And therefore, says Rabbeinu Bachia, he and they now have to suffer throughout the generations, and we're always tied to this because of the unresolved drama that really is represented in the story of Mechir Yosef. The Jews and their infighting, the brothers and their infighting, well, is never quite resolved, and therefore we have to suffer the consequences. He actually says that this is referred to in an earlier Pasuk, where uh, Yosef says to his brothers, V'atem, I'm going to hold on to Shimon, who is the one who took the goblet, V'atem, but you, alu l'shalom alavichem, you go back to your fathers, Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar says, that's actually referring to the Asar Harugim Malchus, you will go up to your fathers. He says the word Anashim in that paragraph is found ten times, instead of referring to them as the brothers of Yosef, the children of Yaakov, it refers to them as Anashim. There are ten Anashim there, there are ten later men who would be punished because of this, because of this unresolved Mechila. That is Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar. The Sefer Hasidim actually goes in the other direction entirely. The Sefer Hasidim says, V'chein b'nei Yaakov k'shechatu Yosef machalahem. In an act of incredible gvura, an incredible might, he actually was 
mocholem, and he did not exact retribution. He did not punish them because what they had done to him, even though he theoretically had the ability to do so. And then he therefore asks the question, so I don't get it. So why would it be that Chazal have pointed Golos Mitzrayim? It's because of Mechiras Yosef, Gezeras Haman, the story of Haman and Achashverosh is tied to Mechiras Yosef. We of course have the Asar Harugim Malchus being tied to the Asar, the, the Mechiras Yosef. Why in the world would that be if Yosef did such a heroic thing and indeed did forgive his brothers? And so he explains as follows. There were two chataim here. There were two sins that were performed. One, of course, was the offense to Yosef. What they did to Yosef, how they persecuted Yosef, how Yosef ended up in jail. All of the things that they did to Yosef, for sure, required nechil, required forgiveness. And indeed, he forgave them for all of that. But there's another element to this. And he refers to the chilol Hashem that is involved in this story. The story of Mechiras Yosef that goes four parshas long, where brothers are infighting, where Yosef ends up in Egypt. How does he end up in Egypt? Do you think the Egyptians ever wondered where this guy, this viceroy, do you think they did a background check before he ascended to the throne? Do you think they probably did. Page 6 had an expose. Look at these brothers. They're not brothers. They are brothers. They are spies. What's going on over here? There's drama. Chetzir Hasidim says it's hard to imagine that nobody heard about this story. And forget about in Egypt. What about in the generations since? The way we refer to this story. This blot on our uh, our story. I mean, others, of course, understand it. It was justified, perfect, beautiful. Everything is amazing. But of course, there is some criticism that is levied at us because of the story of Mechiras Yosef. Look at what we can do. And that incredible Chil Hashem has to be accounted for. And so it says the Sefer Hasidim, that is the reason that all of the his- historical moments that are tied to this event are negative and are indeed never resolved. And so whereas Rabbeinu Bachia might understand that there wasn't Mechila, there was happily never after, and nothing ever was resolved and nothing ever ended, what we see over here is that according to the Sefer Chassidim, there was Mechila. Yosef is really a hero for being able to be Mochal and to be able to forgive what had happened to him. But there's a whole other element to this. What ramifications this has in the outer outside community. And this is really important for us to remember, because we might have principled arguments amongst each other, but it's really important to not create Chil Hashem, even if we think what we are doing is right. Have a great day.